This episode is marked for sensitive content. Check content warnings in the episode description before listening. This week on The Breakup Breakdown. The major thing that led to the breakup was my best friend at the time. He always wanted my friends over. She was always at my house and I walk in and on them in my bed. I grabbed a shotgun and walked back into the bedroom and told them to get out of the house. All that I need is an apology like my bad I your husband. <laughs> yeah, I would say an apology is the bare minimum one could at least do in that situation. Hey, what's up? It's Abby for The Breakup Breakdown. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hey, do you have an insane breakup story that you'd like to tell on the podcast? Or have you been nosy and stalked that person you know from college and noticed all their engagement photos were suddenly deleted? Well, you can submit those inquiries and submissions in the episode description. There is a submission form there. Also, timestamps are down there too if you want to jump to a certain part of the interview. And as always, if you like this podcast, I always appreciate it when you leave us a positive review. Hey, Heartbreakers, welcome back to another episode of The Breakup Breakdown, season four, baby. Here we go. Thanks for being patient. It's always nice for me to have some time to be able to do some deep dives and work on getting more unique and quality stories for the podcast. This week, we're going to get into a story where we hear about some small town drama, where a small town couple split up before the birth of their first child. But before we get into that submission, let's chat about what Domestic Violence Shelter we're raising awareness for this week. Every week, if you're new to the podcast, we raise awareness for a certain shelter throughout the country in different cities, and you can check out all the information on how you can help out in the episode description. This week, we're raising awareness for Safe Alliance in Charlotte, North Carolina. They provide hope and healing to those impacted by domestic violence and sexual assault. So once again, if you want to help out, donate your time, money, or resources, I'm going to link all that information in the episode description. One announcement that I'm really, really excited about is to let you know that the Breakup Breakdown Brunch is back on. We had some planning hiccups, so we were kind of like, uh, is this going to happen? And I'm happy to say that we have a almost 100% confirmed date and time. I need like one more final confirmation, but we have like a date on hold with a venue and all the details hashed out. If everything goes as planned as of June 27th, it's going to be on September 16th in Atlanta, Georgia. We're going to have brunch and have a live podcast that won't be posted anywhere. So we're going to have some super secret breakup tea with some special guests. If you want to go to the event, make sure you check out the episode description. There will be a link to a Breakup Breakdown Brunch interest form. This is the same one that I put out in previous episodes. So if you've already filled that out, you are safe. You're good to go. If not, you really want to go. Make sure you fill it out. Those will be the first batch of people to get access to that event ticket. I'm going to send it out to them first and then I'll post it probably next week in the episode description of next week's main episode. So very exciting. Lots of things happening. Okay. Now let's get into the submission for the story. Okay, so the submission says, this was major small town drama where I'm from. This woman I went to high school with had something go down with her now ex-husband and her best friend. Here's the tea that I know. She and her ex got together when they were really, really young. They got married, the whole shebang. And after being married for a couple of years, a rumor went around that he had run off with her best friend, which sucks already. And we felt super bad for her. And then I remembered one day I was walking around the grocery store and she was pregnant. I was never close enough with her to get the full story. 
I can only assume she was carrying his child, but I don't know for sure because I had heard that they had split up before the birth. Yeah, I'm on board with that. I can only assume that she would be carrying his child, although if they split up before she gave birth, it would make sense that maybe if there was infidelity happening, like it was like a Maury Povich situation where it was like, you are not the father. And he's like, I'm out. But if you had heard rumblings that something was going on with her best friend and him, then I'm inclined to think that that would be more of the reason, you know? but maybe she wanted to get back at him. I don't know. The one thing is, is it mentions that they got married really young. And look, it may have been a situation where they rushed into the relationship, maybe because she was pregnant or maybe they got married super young and then just grew apart as people do. I don't think getting married young is a bad thing, but I do think it's definitely a higher risk marriage than getting married when you're in your 30s. So I'm really curious to get some more specific details and find out what happened when we break down this week's breakup. We were inseparable from the beginning. Never went a day without seeing each other, speaking to each other. I thought that I had found my one. He liked the fact that I had all of this knowledge that, you know, I had car knowledge. I had knowledge about tractors and trucks and I could build my own stuff. And he didn't look down on me for that. That was a huge thing. Plus, if I'm being honest, I wanted to find someone like my dad. Like my dad's a great guy and my parents have been married forever. So I wanted to find someone like my dad and I thought that I had. So he really respects you for what you do, what you know, which I know is so important because it's so annoying to like meet somebody, anybody and have them be threatened by the things that you're really good at. So I know that that must have felt really good. And I think we do kind of subconsciously go for people like our parents, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. So I could totally see how that would play into that. Okay, so let's start diving into when things get a little bit messy. So this sounds great. Like I could see how you would fall in love with this person. Like he's adventurous and charismatic. How far into the relationship do you start to notice that things might be a little off? Day after we got married. We got married Mother's Day weekend and the day after was Mother's Day. And I was like, OK, well, I want to stop by my mom, give her a gift. You know, she she just doled out a bunch of money for the wedding, and then we can go over to your mom. And he pitched a fit, pitched a fit and was like, no, we just saw everybody. We don't need to do this. And like started fighting with me over it, going to see my family, but not going to see his. He was all for going to see his but I couldn't go see mine. So yeah, it was the day after our wedding. We had a huge wedding, 500 people. I actually broke out. Oh my gosh, the wedding album, hello. Yes, I had a horse-drawn carriage, 500 people. It was perfect. It was every little girl's dream. I was a princess. You looked like one. Yes, it was perfect. My mom went over the top for everything. It was perfect. It was the very next day when like, everything started changing. Like I had bought the house. He didn't. I did. If he didn't like something, he would throw it. So if he didn't like what I cooked, he threw it on the ground, the plate, the food, everything. Then I'd be the one to pick it up because he'd go outside. I mean, that happened the first week of marriage. And I should have looking back like I'm like, you weren't raised to take this. My mom and I, we talked about all this. My mom's like, you know, you kept telling me I made my bed and now I need to lie on it, lie in it. She's like, you kept saying that. I was like, yeah, because I did. I I knew that we were going to have bad times. I knew that we were going to have stressful times. I knew that going into my marriage because everybody does. So I just assumed that this was a stressful time. So the day after you're married and he pitches that fit, did that confirm things that maybe he had done prior to you guys getting married? Like when that came up, did you go, oh yeah, he actually did show signs of being controlling? Yeah. 
Yes. Me going out with friends. You know, he was always there. He always wanted my friends over, never his friend. If I came into the house, it was I couldn't be on my phone when I came into the house because I couldn't be talking to anybody but him. That was his time. If he was around, it was his time. I had to be focused on him. And I just thought that he just wanted to spend time with me. Possessiveness can sometimes be sort of attractive. Like, oh, my gosh, like you're so obsessed with me. Like, I totally get it. He loves me. He just wants to be with me. He wants my time. That's the most valuable commodity I have is my time. So, of course, I'm going to give it to the man I love. Yeah, you know, I thought that was what you did. Do those controlling tendencies get worse or do other things start to factor into the breakup? The controlling tendencies did get worse. Whenever we had an event outside of where he could go and show off. And I say, like, um, we were really big into motorcycles. So he could go and show off there. So he liked that stuff. But if we had to go to, say, a baptism, we'd fight and I would be bawling my eyes out in the beginning, you know, on the ride there because we had a fight. Now I have to pretend that everything's okay and we're just a happy married couple. If he wanted to do it or if he wanted an item and I were to tell him no, it'd be a fight. Money was a huge thing. I mean, we're in our early 20s. We're broke. What do you expect? How am I supposed to pay for a Harley in your early 20s? How And a house and a boat and two vehicles. Like, we're broke, people. Like, what do you want from me? But I had to figure out how to pay for this stuff. Otherwise, it was him yelling at me and fighting. And just I had a backbone at one point, but just the constant fighting just broke it away. And it was over time. It wasn't night and day. It was over time. Like, I think back to like when we were dating and yeah, I see the red flag now. I didn't then. I thought that it was just so nice that he wanted to spend time with me and so nice that he trusted me to do, you know, to handle the money. He trusted me. I got this. So yeah, that was huge. The major thing that led to the breakup was my best friend at the time. Oh, okay. Tell me tell me about the best friend. <laughs> we were best friends for over 15 years. We went to high school together. I am the godmother of her child. And she is now my daughter's stepmother. And how did that come to be? She had a very traumatic breakup with her baby daddy. I was there, brought her home to her parents' house. And then her and I, we started hanging out more. You know, she was always at my house. And after going through six years of infertility treatments, I go to the doctor one day and they're like, you're pregnant. I'm like, what? This is so exciting. Yes, so exciting. Like my miracle baby. I had lost 12 babies before this. And this is my miracle baby. I wasn't on any of the fertility drugs. This is all on my, like on our own miracle baby. I pull into my driveway because I can't go back to work. I'm too excited. Pull into my driveway and I walk into my house. And my dog is growling at the door, which he never growled. And I walk in and on them, the two of them in my bed. The day you found out you were pregnant? The day I found out I was pregnant. So how did you react? Because it's one thing to walk in on your husband and your best friend and be upset about it. But now you got all those fresh pregnancy hormones. So did like the crazy switch get flipped? The crazy switch got flipped. It did not just get flipped. It went crazy. Yeah, I went into the other room and I, I'm not proud to say I grabbed a shotgun and walked back into the bedroom and wrapped a shell through and told them to get out of the house. Bare ass naked, get out of my house. So they're both butt ass naked. They're both getting out of the house or? Oh no, they're both getting out of the house. I want them both out. Okay. In the front yard for the world to see. I don't care. (laughs) 
she leaves and he comes back into the house to talk and I tell him we're pregnant. Was he excited or was he like kind of pissed off because now that means that he's like really tied to you and it looks like he doesn't want to be tied to you anymore? Well, here's the thing. He was so sorry that he got caught. He was begging to stay with on his knees, tears flowing down his face, begging me not to leave. And I told him, I'm not leaving. We got to work on this because I'm pregnant. And he goes, fine, we're working on it. This is like best case scenario for him. Yeah. So he's like, we're going to work on this. We're going to work this through. I'm like, okay, you can have zero contact with her. Zero contact. He claims to have zero contact with her. Month later, I find the phone records with all of the phone calls. He is spending more time on the phone with her than he is with me. And he's spending time on the phone with her while he's working. Like, dude, I just got you this awesome career and you're going to blow it because you're on the phone 24 seven with her. So talk to him again. He agrees to therapy. We go to therapy. Our very first therapy session, the therapist looks at me and goes, honey, you need to get out. I'm like, yeah. Why do you think your therapist said that? Like, she just didn't think there was any hope for you two? We went to a male therapist. I hunted down a male therapist, which in our area is very rare. I hunted down a male therapist so that he would not feel threatened by a female and didn't think that we were gaining up on it. And the male therapist said, he's a narcissistic. He has control issues. You are not going to get out of this marriage alive. He's like, this is not going to be good for you. I'm like, okay. He's like, he has violent tendencies. You can see that in therapy. He's like, he might not have ever hit you, but he's like, I can guarantee you he's broken stuff. Oh yeah. I have a bunch of collections and he's broken something out of all of them. He's punched holes next to my face into the wall because he didn't hit me. He hit the wall. It might've been right here, but he didn't touch me. He touched the wall. So it doesn't count. The therapist said, right out, you're not going to make it out alive. And me being stubborn decided, well, okay, we're still going to work on this. So we worked on it. I couldn't say being pregnant, I never wanted to look at my child and say that I didn't try, that I didn't give it my all. I want to raise my child to know that no matter what happens, you don't give up. You give it your all to the very end. When you get to the very end, then you can decide if you want to quit. But, you know, I was raised like in sports. You finish out a season. You don't want to do it next season. Don't do it next season. But you finish that season. You don't just sell an animal because you're tired of it. You're with that animal for life. So when you say you wanted to wait it out to the very end, at that moment, what do you think the very end would have been for you? Like, would it have taken him hitting you, do you think? Was like in your mind, if it gets violent, that's what I'll leave. This is going to sound awful. If I would have had a boy, the very end would have been my death. I know it sounds awful. If I would have had a boy, I probably would have stayed. I probably would have stayed. It sounds crazy. And I don't know why that is. But it, that's that's always what I've I felt is if I had a boy, I would have stayed. The very end for me was the ultrasound tech looking at us, smiling, going, it's a girl. And me looking up with our parents, both sets of parents in the room, looking up at him and going, I want a divorce. I mean, that was five months into the pregnancy that I told them I want a divorce because I not raise a daughter knowing, thinking that this is a healthy relationship. It's not. I can't have her thinking that this is how a man should treat a woman. It's not. So, and he was still talking to her. I found emails. I have emails. 
still have them because I know someday, I mean, my daughter's 10 now, but I know someday she's going to question everything that happened. And so I have the proof. If she ever wants to see them, she can see them. If she doesn't, she doesn't have to. That's interesting that the gender of your child influenced you so much, because I think you could say the same thing for if you had a boy. Like, do you want to raise a son in the world where that's his first male role model, too? You know, I wasn't thinking that way. Yeah, we're not thinking that way. My thought with having a if I would have had a boy was boy needs his father. And I don't know boy stuff. And I don't know how to do any of that stuff. A boy needs his father. Like, how? what would I do? Yeah, my dad's around, but, you know, like, what would I have done? I didn't know what to do. Quite frankly, I'd never been around kids before. Uh-uh. My daughter is the first the first kid that I ever held. Mm-hmm. First baby I ever held. My daughter is the first diaper I ever changed. Never was around kids. I had no clue what I was doing. I would have stayed. I would have stayed if I had a boy. But you know what? You were actually, you were brave enough. You said, you know what? I want a divorce, which like in front of your both sets of parents too is so ballsy. They had no clue about the affair going on. I hadn't told anybody. I hadn't told anybody about the constant fighting. I hadn't told anybody about the emails where they are plotting to try and push me to kill myself, to commit suicide. Oh yeah. These emails are... We're, we're stating like how if she could just off herself, it'd be okay. We could then be happy. That's so fucked up. Right? That's so fucked up. I know. Yeah, it was so messed up. And I'll never forget, he gave me an ultimatum too. He's like, I'll get rid of her if you never talk to your parents ever again. What did he have against your family? Because first it's the wedding where he doesn't want you to go see your family and then now he's going to use your best friend as like a bartering tool for you to never see your family again. What is up with that? We're very close. We are all very close. And like we talk every day. We have a group chat. I'm sure a lot of families have the group chat, you know, where we joke around every day. And my parents were the ones there to like bail us out when we got in trouble. They were the ones who helped pay for fertility treatments. He saw them as controlling because like they would say something and I would agree with them sometimes like, oh yeah, wait, I don't have to listen to you all the time. You're right. I I don't need to go and do that. Why can't I just stay here? He saw them as someone trying to take control, whereas they were just trying to let me live my life. He saw them as a threat. Having them in your life wouldn't allow him to have the kind of control over you that he wanted. Exactly. You asked for the divorce. Everybody in the room was like, oh, my God, what's going on? The affair? What? And then what happens? Um, so we leave and all of us go and get dinner. <laughs> You're like, OK, we're getting divorced. Time to go to Chili's. What <laughs> bad, baby? We went to Chili's. That's so funny. That's literally what I pictured. I was like, why do I feel like this family just went and got like <laughs> for 25 and called it a day? <laughs> yeah. So my parents and his parents are talking and he's denying the entire affair. And his dad is getting mad because he's like, my son would never do that. My son would never do that. And his mother is sitting there going, I am so sorry, like apologizing for her son because she knows he did that. Whoa. Yeah, it was so messed up. And my dad is like, get this over with. I want to leave. I'm going to kill people. Like, just get me out of here. And my mom is a saint. Like, my mom is the ultimate referee. I am shocked that she didn't have a whistle around her neck that day because she's just like, okay, calm down. We can do this. We can manage this. We're going to get this through. You know, there's a baby coming. So we're going to have to co-parent. We're going to get this through. You know, you guys own a house and a Harley and a boat. We're going to figure this all out and everything's going to be okay. (laughs) 
And so then we go home, like him and I go home and then my parents went to their house and his parents went to their house after dinner. And I just look at him and I'm like, I can't like, what are you going to do? He's like, well, I need guy time. He goes, we're going to talk about this, but I need to get out of here. I need guy time. Like, I need to just clear my head. I'm like, okay, fine. He's not home about one o'clock in the morning and he's on his Harley. So I'm getting worried. So I text him and he calls me and he's like, just to let you know, I'm with her right now and you can't be mad because I'm being honest. Excuse me. I can't be mad because you're being honest. <laughs> you do not cancel each other out, my dude. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that was the very, that next day I walked because I worked downtown. I walked across the street to the lawyer's office and filed for a divorce. Damn. It was done. Like, I mean, that was five months of just fighting, just constant fighting, just trying to figure it all out. And then a month later, I ended up breaking my leg, going into labor. And then five days after I break my leg, I had my daughter who is super preemie. So he comes in after my C-section. I was in labor for 36 hours and still ended up with a C-section. And he comes in and my eyes are swollen shut. I have gained so much water weight. You can't even recognize me. And I'm just laying there and he starts screaming at me. That, like it's my fault. My blood pressure was 216 over 170. Why is he yelling at because it's my fault that our daughter was preemie. Oh my gosh, as if you could control the fact that you accidentally tripped. And I'm like, hang on, who's putting me under all this stress? Hello? I'm like, what do you mean? He wanted sole custody of our daughter. He uh, wanted to see her every single day. He wanted to make all decisions for her as it's one more way for him to control the situation. Your daughter born premature, everything okay there? Perfect. She is... A sassy, rambunctious 10-year-old, completely normal. She had a lot of issues at birth. Uh, she couldn't swallow, so we spent the first year on an NG tube. She was actually born deceased for 21 minutes, and then she took a birth on her own. Like, I'm back. <laughs> Tell me about that. Were they resuscitating her? Or we were resuscitating her. She still has a scar in her chest from where the nurse's nail went through. I laugh every time. And then they just said, you have to say goodbye. And my mom took her and my mom dropped to her knees and she called on all of the family members who had passed, even her dad. And she said, dad, if you're up there, because it's very questionable, <laughs> he lived a fun life, not a good one, a fun one. Then she just prayed. She prayed and took a breath on her own after 21 minutes of being deceased. Damn, that's a long time too. It's not like it was a couple of seconds and like her heart stopped. Like 21 minutes is like, okay. That was 21 minutes after being pronounced deceased. That's crazy. She was born at 1.13 in the afternoon, never took a breath until 1.58 in the afternoon. Do doctors have any kind of explanation? Like, did her heart just start beating again? Um, the lead nurse and then the neonatologist all said it's a miracle. There's no rhyme or reason. She has zero, she had zero brain bleeds. Within 12 hours, she was over breathing all of the oxygen. Amazing. Amazing. I had lost my grandmother the year prior. My grandma only wanted to live to see a great grandbaby. That's it that she wanted. She wanted a great grandbaby. She didn't get one. I was induced on her birthday. There's nobody in the room for the first time in, in a week. There's nobody else in the room with me. And all of a sudden she's there and she goes, don't worry, you will be okay. And I looked at her. It wasn't going to be that time. She had a different name. And I looked at her and I go, what? What? She goes, you and be okay. And I'm like, wait, you're here? Tears. You're here? Like, and I just, like, I had so many things I wanted to ask, so many things I wanted to say. And she just said again, you and be okay. I love you guys. 
and then gone. I mean, I was induced and then the next day they took me for the C-section. Was pronounced deceased. I wasn't scared. Like I am strapped down and they're holding all of my insides up out of my body and my mom is flipping out and I'm calm. It was the weirdest feeling. For the first time in my life, I had no anxiety. I had no stress. It was not the medication. It was just this feeling of pure calmness. Everything was going to be okay. Nothing to worry about. Everything was going to work out. Everybody's running around. And then my mom prays that he takes breath. My mom's like, hey, she's breathing. And doctor goes, no, no, that's her last breath. And my mom's like, no, no, she's breathing. And all of a sudden, took in this deep breath and then just cried. And the doctor rips her out of my mom's arm. Goes, get her tonight. Rushes her down to the NICU. My mom is torn between me and me. I'm like, mom, go, go with her. Mom goes down to the NICU and mom's like, what is this? And all the doctors and the nurses said, this this is a miracle. This is a miracle. There's no rhyme or reason. She had no oxygen. She was born at 113. She did not breathe until 158. There was no oxygen. She was pronounced deceased at 127. There was nothing. So I'm curious what her name was before she was. And then why did you choose to, to name her? other than the spiritual experience with your grandmother? Uh, she was going to be Elizabeth Lynn. I always wanted a little Ellie. I love Ellie. But my grandmother's name was And so I named her after my grandmother. And so I continued that with her. Does she have any like, because I feel like if she passed for that long, does she have any like weird memories or any connection to the afterlife? She knows my grandmother's favorite flowers, all of them, all of my grandparents' favorite flowers. We have a robin that sits at the window every single day. And she goes, oh, that's Uhu. Who was my gra- My nickname for my grandma was Uhu. She goes, oh, that's Uhu, a robin. Big red chested robin. Yeah, that's Uhu. Okay. And then we have a red cardinal that visits every single day. If outside, that red cardinal is outside. Just watching her. And she goes, that's Papa Kelly. And I'm like, huh? So, I mean, and she'll be 11 soon. And she's like, oh no, that's this. And she knows, like, when it comes to my grandmother's flowers, she knows the scientific name of them. Mm-hmm. And then she also knows what my grandma called them. So I'm like, wait, there's no way because I I never said that. I never said any of that stuff. She knows stuff like that. She like just weird little things will come out of her mouth. And it's great. It's so interesting because I'm uh, like I get to relive my grandparents life with her. And she'll be like, oh, hey, I remember this. Have you had any other spiritual encounters with your grandmother since then? Like, have you ever seen like her shadow in her her nursery or something? No, not. I haven't seen it, but I can feel it. I can't see it, but I can feel it. Like there are there were times when I would be in there rocking her after she came home and you like that calm just comes back and you're like, oh, she's here. I couldn't breastfeed because she was bed with a tube and so like we would sit and I would just rock her as she's getting the tube feet and it would be you know I'm under a lot of stress because she'll stop breathing at any moment and all of a sudden I just felt calm like everything's gonna be okay like we'll be in like really high stress times and all of a sudden it'll be like this wave of calmness and I'm like oh what am I stressing about and I mean it's instant and then it's gone and I'm like okay now I'm stressed <laughs> it's like a little bit of like spiritual Xanax and then And they're they're always there watching her. That's incredible. I'm glad that she has so many people watching out for her. We were supposed to be in the NICU for a year and we were there for 39 days. (laughs) It was amazing. Not that I would have wanted you to stay one more day, but like 40 just feels so holy. I agree. Yeah, I was like, ooh, 40 days. This could be like, you know, (laughs) my work. (laughs) They're going to write another book of the Bible about you. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had to figure out 
visitation to the NICU, which was a nightmare because he, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't say he got to them first, like a bad thing, but he did. So he, he gave them a sob story. Like I was the bad person. I fully admit I made mistakes in our marriage. I did. You know, we all do, you know, but my mistakes were like, I didn't do the dishes or (laughs) I left the laundry in for an extra day or I didn't feel like vacuuming. They weren't like, oh, I'm going to go out and cheat with everybody that moves. Yes. Do I owe? I definitely own my mistake in that marriage. I was 21. I didn't know what I was doing. There's a huge difference between mistakes and just growing pains and behavior that you could put under. I mean, again, I'm not a therapist, so I'm not going to like diagnose with anything. But like if I was a therapist, this sounds abusive to me. I mean, mistake, abuse, very different things. And it's definitely learned behavior. I should have seen like how his dad treats his mom. It's a learned behavior. It is. You got to break the chain. And he didn't. He also has to want to change. You know what I mean? Like, it's so sad when when people have the resources to be able to make a change in their life. Like, you took him to therapy. He could have absolutely worked on his own issues. And you can't make somebody like you can bring a horse to water. But you can't make the horse drink. Make it drunk. And I mean, it's sad now because we got divorced and then he got engaged on our divorce date to right away. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you ever confront her about why she wanted to throw yeah. away your trip for this affair? And she has nothing to say. She won't even say a word. She just walks away. And honestly, like, I feel awful admitting this, but I just need an apology. That's all that I need. Good. You guys are happy. Good for you. All that I need is an apology. Like, hey, my bad I your husband (laughs) fair enough that's it and like who do you like think about it who do you complain to about your significant other the most your best friend hello you knew where you were getting into you saw how he treated me did he really to be any different because you're not my daughter sees it yeah that's the hard thing she comes home and she's like because I'm now remarried because she comes home and she's like oh he's like your friend and your partner like he does half the work if you cook, he cleans. If he cooks, you clean. If you're out gardening, he's out mowing. He helps you. He just wants you happy. Whereas her dad is sitting there playing video games, yelling, where's my food? Do you know how their affair got started? I can guarantee it's him. I don't know the exact ways that it got started. Probably yeah. texting. I know that it was him because after I announced us getting a divorce, 12 of my friends came forward and was like, yeah, here's the text messages that he sent me, prepositioning them to hang out, just the two of them. And hey, we should go get drinks. You resent them at all for not saying anything sooner? No, I wouldn't have believed them. I appreciate them so much for coming forward afterwards and being like, I got you. We're here for you. And for understanding who I was at the time, too, I would never have believed them. I would have cut them out of my life. I would have called them names because he was a smooth talker. Smooth. He could get himself out of trouble no matter what. I would have believed him. I was so gullible. You could tell me gullible's painted on the ceiling and I'll be like, where? So I would have believed him. Do you think your ex-best friend's traumatic relationship, like the one prior to her getting with your now ex-husband, do you think that had anything to do with maybe why she ended up in the... Yeah, I really do. I And I feel for her. If there's anything that I could do now, it would be to hug her and to be like, girl, I know what you're going through and I'm sorry. Like, I am sorry for her because although he may not be hitting her, the emotional damage that he's done, I can see it because I was there. You walk around mousy. You're, you're you know, you're quiet. You're not. You're not yourself. Now I'm like, I am 
loud and very proud of who I am and a hard worker. And, you know, I am fun and sassy. These are my favorite earrings. They're chickens with cowboy boots. I have them in six different colors. I would never have been able to wear them when I was married to him. They always said, be very small. Do not call attention to yourself. Don't do anything. The show and the limelight is all on him. He is everything. Her being in the traumatic relationship before. Yeah, it has everything to do with it. Do you recognize any of the signs that maybe you were showing when you were in that abusive relationship? Like, do you notice any behavioral similarities that you think other people should notice if maybe they think their friend is in an abusive relationship? Yeah, they're always together. They don't trust each other. Always together. Always. To every pickup, to every drop off. Always together. Getting into huge amounts of debt. Who can afford two brand new Jeeps? I mean, we're talking about the $60,000 Jeeps, not the cheap ones. Or is there even a cheap Jeep? No. On one income, that just doesn't make sense. And I know how much they're getting paid because I get child support now. So it's sad. She's reserved. She's not the fun, outgoing girl that she used to be. She's not like what my what my friend was. She's not that at all. And yeah, I notice it and it's sad. And I just, I, I want... I want my friend back, not as my friend, but as herself. I want her to be herself again. She's not. I don't care that he cheated. I don't care that they're whatever. What I care about is her. And it just sucks that I can't do anything about it. If you could talk to her today, if, if you could be guaranteed that for 10 minutes, and I'm not saying going like a 10 minute spiel, but if you, yeah. could, if you had three minutes of her time where she had to listen to you, what do you wish you could tell her? I miss her. I miss who she was. And I would just want to give her a hug. No, I miss her. I miss her. I miss who she was. I wish that she didn't have to go through everything. I'm happy that she's in my daughter's life because she is a really intelligent girl. She's a really intelligent woman. And so I'm very happy that she's in my daughter's life. But I miss her. And I wish that we could be friends. I don't see that happening with him in the picture. Is there a world where you ever think you will reach out to her? He won't allow it. He won't allow it. There's no way. And that's the sad thing. He won't allow it. Like we we go to our daughter's activities or whatever. And like the last activity, he's like, oh, don't worry. I won't make you sit next to her talking about me, talking about like her sitting next to me. Like it's been 10 years, dude. Get over it. Unless I could get her alone. I don't think it'll ever happen. That's so rough. I think it's funny, though, because like we're still both in the same small town that we grew up in. Everybody saw my wedding. I mean, they were all there. There was 500 people at my wedding. Everybody saw my us get married. And then seven years later, they see them get married. So it's funny. Yeah, we have our 20th high school reunion coming up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be fun. Has anybody ever said anything to you on public like so? Oh, yeah. They all want to know. They all want to know. They think it's hilarious. And I'm like, oh, how long do you got? You want to have a drink? <laughs> Gosh, it's hard because like, again, A, you're in a small town and B, you share a daughter. So you'll never be able to avoid him. So like, what is it like being interact with him? Like, do you hold any resentment towards him? No, I am so it's taken years of therapy, which therapy is amazing. Everyone should go. I don't care if you don't think that you have anything wrong. Go to therapy. I am so happy that I went through it. I've never been happier in my life. Now I am in an incredible relationship. We are completely open, honest with each other. I know who I am. I know what I've been through. I know what I don't want. And so I I did not fail. I am so glad that I went through what I went through. It was hell. And I look back and I'm like, oh my God, 
been like 11 years since that all started. Like what? I went through the worst decade of my life and I came out on top. I am happy. I am healthy because right after I had my daughter, went to the post-op after my C-section and was diagnosed with breast cancer. So it was like, I just wanted to give up on life. I mean, preemie, divorce, breast cancer, lost my home, had to move back in with my parents. That was a hell of a year. But you know what? I survived. I survived. And not only did I just survive, I kicked ass and I have thrived. I am so happy. I have a very strong, independent daughter who she is the kindest kid in her class. She's won that award for the last several years. Anybody needs anything and she's so kind, but she also sets boundaries, which is so important to me because I didn't set boundaries. So at least I was able to teach her that. And it's been the greatest. I'm glad that I married him. I'm glad that I divorced him. I'm glad that I have the ultimate (laughs) resume for conflict resolution now. If I can negotiate that, I can negotiate anything. What would you say is the biggest thing you learned through doing therapy about overcoming this issue, this relationship and coming out stronger? It's okay to say no. It's okay to set boundaries. It's okay to be true to yourself. And above all else, listen to your gut. Your gut will tell you, you know, you will have that gut feeling. And I remember that gut feeling on that very first date when it said run and I didn't. I remember that like, oh, we're going off-roading. This is not normal. Yeah, let's do it. But I had that little gut feeling going, probably not a good idea. Like what could happen? So listen to your gut and set boundaries. It's okay. Someone's going to respect those boundaries. Somebody is going to respect you saying no and understand it. So yeah. Well, thank you so much. You crush, absolutely crushed this interview. You're such a like gifted storyteller. Is there anything else you want to say? Any advice, any last minute things that we missed? Don't get married too young. There's so much left out there. So much more out there. I don't know if anybody listens to country music, but when they, the chicks, goodbye Earl. Yeah, you look around town. You're only going to find Earl. Go out there. See the world. Do it. Take those adventures. You're young. You only live once. If he really loves you, he will be there when you get home from your adventures. The man I married, married to now. He was my high school sweetheart. He joined the Marine Corps and he lived his life. And I got married and had a daughter. And 10 years later, we reconnected and we've always been friends. But yeah, he's my best friend and we do everything. We live together, but we're also very independent. I go out with my friends. He goes out with his friends. We do our own thing. And yet we always come home. Live your life. If he's meant to be, He will be there when you get back. Tune in on Thursday for the bonus episode. I'll be talking to a mental health professional about what to do if you feel like your partner is super controlling. And at what point does someone with controlling tendencies become an actual dangerous partner? I'll see you whenever you decide to tune in next.